Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've given us your timeless word. It's always relevant. It's always true. It never changes. It's the bedrock that we can build our lives on. And so, God, we're opening ourselves to hear not from an ancient book, but to hear from you through this letter written through your servant, Peter, because we believe that you spoke and you're speaking. You acted and you're acting. You worked and you're working. And we are praying, God, have your way in us. We want to see you. Jesus, have your way. These aren't just songs, God. We're, we're making these prayers. And now, now answer those prayers as we look to the Bible. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, a -a amen. Okay, so we are God's people together. And we don't just love Hillsboro. We love Beaverton too, right? Or Banks or Cornelius or Forest Grove or wherever you're from. But, but we love the world. And so from day one as a church, we've been committed to the global work of God. And so some of you who, uh, who know me and, and the work that I've been doing, I also get a chance to go out and share the gospel. So a couple of photos. We'll start. Pick number one from uh, Pakistan. I just got back on Thursday, and I was speaking to thousands of young people in an outreach that they brought indoors for lots of reasons. It was broadcast on TV and online all over the world, and they had feedback and chat from all over the Middle East. And, and this is something we're doing together. Because we love people and we want to help them experience life in Jesus. Uh, the second pick, we, we would go to schools in different parts of town uh, and share the good news. I, I, I spent some time on the back of a truck with speakers blaring, going around from town to town and just stopping in places and in five minutes sharing the good news of Jesus. And what you can't see in any of the photos is police trucks flanked us both on both sides with machine guns because um, it is not necessarily the safest place to be. Uh, another uh, photo, I think there's one up. I'm not looking behind me. Am I praying for someone there? Uh, there we are. Yeah, so we would stop in these town, parts of towns and then just go down and, and, and does anyone want prayer? And the answer is always yes. And so we spent time just laying hands on people and praying that Jesus would be real to them. And then the last photo, uh, our good friends, Andrew and Wendy Palau, and a good friend of mine, Reed Saunders, who's based out of Salem, they're finishing the weekend with these open-air outreaches. This is from last night, and there were, there were 40,000 plus there, uh, and many responding in faith to Jesus. So we should just give thanks. Not only are we... Um, sharing good news here, but we're doing it around the world because guess what? That's what Jesus does, and that's what he's about, and that's what we're about. Um, that, that's, this is bold stuff, by the way. This is, it, it, to, to go to Pakistan right now, the Islamic Republic of Pakistan, uh, a, com a country committed and de dedicated to Islam. 97% um, of the people there are Muslim. 1% is Jesus-following and claims to be Christian, it ends up on your driver's license, on your ID. You identify as non-Muslim. They know who you are. This is the world that we live in. And what I love is, these people are bold, like courageous, not afraid to speak of the love of God and Jesus. They're respectful of other faiths. They don't put anyone down but they teach and preach the way of Jesus. While we were there, 
we got the report from the north, a few hours north of us, two Christian pastors were shot as they came out of church. Uh, Pastor William Siraj was martyred. They were, they were killed for their faith as they were walking out of church. He was a bishop overseeing churches all over the region. And, and Pastor Patrick Naim uh, has survived and he's in stable condition. Folks, this is the real world. Now, I say that because we wonder if we should make the step to drive to downtown Hillsboro together because it's not what we're used to. This was a question we all had asked. Am I going to go online or am I going to show up? Uh, I may have to walk after parking the car that I drive. I may have to walk. Um, Whoa, it's 10 o'clock and not 9 or 11. Whoa, you're changing my equilibrium and my whole day may get thrown off. I'm not mocking. I'm speaking the truth. These are people I, I was talking to the guy who is orchestrating it all, and he's like, I get death threats often. He runs a television station and trains pastors and is bold in his faith. This is the world that we live in. The question is, will we follow Jesus when it's not convenient? That's what I want to ask you. And the funny thing about going through all of the Bible is we map this out, not knowing what week we're going to be out, but the text that we're going to read is going to challenge us are we going to follow Jesus when it is not convenient? Now, a little bit of a recap. We're ending chapter 1, but some of you have just popped in, and so maybe you missed it. There are four commands. Command sounds hard, but do you know God gives commands? He does, because he's God. And these are not suggestions. If you want to live the full life in Jesus, there are some things that God, who has the right and rightful claim over our life calls us to do. But I like the word invitations because command may sound negative, but it's command. But he invites us. If you want to live the full life, he's inviting us to do these things. I'm going to recap them because today is the fourth of the invitations that God gives us. They're the pathways to blessing. The first one we saw in verse 13, set your hope on Jesus. This isn't new, but if, if you've missed it and you're just tuning in, this is going to help you get today's command or pathway to blessing. Set your hope on Jesus. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, don't live drunk. Drunk in the way you think. Don't live out of wax. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So we're called to live in light of Jesus's promise to return. In this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And in his death and resurrection, we know that the victory that's going to transform all of eternity has already been won. Jesus doesn't have to win. He's already won. The only question is, when will you see the results of God's great victory? Some of the results you're going to see now. When you turn to Jesus Christ, you are alive. That's a result. But some of them are awaiting you. They're not here yet. So set your hope not on what you see, because what you see may be messy. Look, right now life's messy. And, and for those of you who are trying to run a business right now, and can't find humans who want to work for less than $300 an hour, you know it's hard right now. But Jesus says, set your hope on him. Second thing is we're called to be holy. It's a command. It's a pathway. It's an invitation. 
Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And we saw, when we looked at that, that God is holy and that he's perfect. There's no one holy like God. So this is not a setup for failure. Because God is holy, we have now been adopted into the family of Jesus. We're to pattern our life after our Father. We can pattern our life after our Father and live according to the family values. Why? Because God has given us his Holy Spirit. God's presence, his indwelling presence is living in you if you belong to Jesus. This is not theory and this is not for some people. It's for everyone. So because we have the Spirit, we can live holy lives. And then the third command is live as foreigners who are following Jesus. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And, and Stephen reminded us last night, we're not afraid, last week, we're not afraid of God, but we recognize that God will judge all things. So because we belong to a different family, we can live in a different way. Hopefully all three of these things are convicting in the good sense of the word. I think sometimes what we want is to be comforted, but what we actually need is to be convicted. Convicted of complacency. Convicted of the gaps between what we say we believe and what, how we actually live. These are good things because they're invitations to maturity and growth. And God wants to grow you. The question is, like Ryan was saying, he couldn't do many miracles in Nazareth because they did not trust him to do them. She's saying, well, God, why am I not growing? And he's saying, I'm trying, but you're impeding my progress. And if he's saying that to you, take it as a word of love. He loves you enough to give you a swift and gentle movement in his direction. And sometimes he uses negative circumstances. Sometimes he uses suffering. Sometimes he uses heartache because he loves us. All right, all of that was review. Let's just read the rest of the chapter, and let's look at the last command imperative, invitation, pathway, whatever word makes you feel better about yourself. Let's just look at it. First Peter 1, 22 through 25. It says, now that you've, been pure, you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of per- perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For, and then he he quotes from Isaiah 40, all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, end quote. And then he reminds them, hey, that's in the Bible, and this is the word. The Bible, the truth, that was preached to you. All right, the fourth pathway to living this unmistakable life that we're called to live into is love one another. It was right there. Verse 22, now that you purify yourselves by obeying the truth, have sincere love for each other. I love the New Living Translation. So that so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. That's more graphic. What kind of love? Family love, like brothers and sisters. So the question is, I want to ask you, how are you doing 
at this invitation, this imperative, this command, this pathway to God's blessing. How are you doing at loving one another? Everything I'm going to say today, Peter is applying to Jesus' people, to us. Now, everything he's saying also applies to how we live with people who aren't following Jesus because we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and who's our neighbor? It's anyone. Anyone God brings your way is your neighbor, whether they love Jesus or not, whether they're in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan or they're here in the USA. It doesn't make a difference. We're called to love everyone. But I want us to hear the, the nuance, the focus is how are we as Jesus' people called to live with one another? And the answer is with love. Remember, Peter heard from Jesus firsthand. And Peter knew Matthew 22 before it was called Matthew 22. Because on one occasion, Matthew 22, verse 35, an expert in the law tested Jesus with this question. Peter would have been there. He would have heard this firsthand. Teacher, which is the greatest command, commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What we forget is those lines aren't originally right next to each other. Jesus takes from the whole Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and he he picks two lines out and says they're supposed to be together. Verse 40, all the law and the prophets, all of the Bible, hang on these two commandments. So following Jesus Christ is always about loving God with all that he has created you to be, your mind and your soul and your heart and your strength, and which includes your time and includes the resources God's deposited you. It includes your space. It includes your car. It includes your second car. It includes your floating object, whether a little pontoon boat or yacht. It, it includes your clothing. It includes what's in your cupboards. It includes everything. Love God with all that you are. And the way that we know lo we love God is we actively love our neighbors ourselves. So the whole Bible is about loving God and loving people. Now that sounds so simple, but there are a lot more pages in the Bible because we take the simple things for granted and we need lots of definitions. Because if there's ever a group of people who would look for a way out, it's the American. We have sub-clauses to everything. We signed a contract to do our renovation. And oh my, the amount of legalese we had to wiggle our way through to make sure that if there's an additional screw that's put in a wall, it's not $800. Like, you know, like, because there's all this litigation because the American life and culture is if I could find a way around the plan, I'm going to. So then lawyers are overpaid to make sure that you get justice. Or not overpaid, just overpaid. Um, but but to, to that you get justice. It's, it's real simple. There was a time, I, I didn't live back then because I'm not that old, where your handshake was good enough. <laughs> At least they tell me in movies. Your word was your bond, whatever that was. And that is not today's culture, is it? People are looking to wiggle their way out of it. And so the whole Bible is the parameters. Stephen gave a great visual 
The commandments are the pathway on that suspension bridge. Did you see that picture last week? That was so good. I watched it in a Delta club in Seattle on my flight home. I'm like, dude, this is like fire. This is so good. And, and, and the two guardrails or the handholders are the pathways that keep us in obeying God's commands. And so love God, love people. That's really what life is about. And, and I just want to know, how are we doing as a church at loving, at loving people? We, uh, we have to ask ourselves that collectively. And then you in your home. And then you, you have your community group discussion guide, which this week is pattern towards taking what you're hearing right now. So I encourage you to think through these questions because it helps us to flesh out in the real world, not just in theory, am I really loving God? Let's start there. Do you really, do you really long to know the one who loves you and made you? Um, well, the way we know that is we look at our life and we see, am I pursuing God? Because I pursue the things that are important to me. If I love my work, I work a lot. If I love my recreation time, I go on vacation a lot. If I love my family, I make them a priority. Where your priorities are, where your time is, where your resources are, say who you really are, not who you think you are. And the invitation of God is to love him. And the way I know that you love God is all I have to do is look, not are you perfect, which is one definition of holy that relates to God. But are you choosing to live holy in that are you listening to him and saying, God, I want your ways more than my ways. Not, not always getting it right, but my direction is Godward. If I look at your life and, and can't see an active pursuit of God, I have to wonder, do you really love him? Now, you can, but do you? We have to be honest. Uh, but that's, that's between you and God. He knows those who are seeking him. But one thing I ought to do is if you say you love Jesus, we have to now dig deeper. Do we love people? Because to love God is to imply that we're going to learn from the Father how the Father sees people. And, and this is an area and an invitation for us to grow in. Okay, the problem is I've been saying love a lot. And that word means all sorts of things to all sorts of people. So what is love? Verse 22 again. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. We're told by God to love one another. What does that actually mean? Love here, when you look at this word in this place, write this down, means right relationships with each other. Love is more than a feeling. It includes feelings, but it's more than a feeling. Love here, in this word, in this place, means that I'm going to keep a right relationship with the people who follow Jesus around me. Now, I'm going to tease this out next week, okay? So we're going to look more deeply at this. But we need to know just right now that right, good, healthy relationships when he says love one another, he's saying you got to evaluate your relationship with the people who follow Jesus around you and look, are you doing everything you can to keep good, healthy relationships 
with the people around you who follow Jesus. Because, man, this really matters. This is an invitation. This is a pathway. It's actually a command. That if we're to be Jesus' people, that we're going to evaluate ourselves honestly and say, Lord, enable us to live holy because you are holy. Lord, enable us to set our hope on you because there's no one like you. But Lord, help us to love one another deeply. Okay, what's deeply? Because my definition of the depth of love will be different than yours. Here's what it means. Eagerly, fervently, constantly. This word is a visual. With every muscle strained. Love each other with every muscle strained. Uh, some of you I could tell are lifting weights right now. Some of you I could tell are not. But, it, but, but uh, I've been doing, you know, just mixing things up, CrossFit, not in a gym, but in our, in our garage, uh, using an app. And it's been really, really helpful. And what you do in, in, in this at least version of CrossFit, yes, I do lift weights. Okay, calm down. And, and uh, is you, you're doing with dumbbells or whatever, reps. So it's, you know, take these dumbbells and do overhead 15 times and go do anything else. And then do it again 15 times and then do something else. And then go it again. And by the final set of reps, those same weights are so much heavier. Like someone added weight to my weight. It's the same three-pound dumbbell. That's not three. It's not three, okay? It's five. No, it's not five. It's more than that. I have lots of weights that are on the floor. So, but, but with my dumbbells, when you hit the final rep, every muscle strength, come on, fin and they're like, finish strong, finish strong. I'm like, shut up. Like, stop it. Stop. And, and. Okay, in the, the first rep is easy. The fourth rep will take you out. It's easy to love someone for 60 to 90 minutes sitting in the chair next to them, and you don't even know their name. You don't even know them. You, know, you don't realize that they have challenges like you have challenges, that they have issues. Do you know the person next to you has issues? Like you have issues. That they have quirks. The more you get to know someone, the weirder they become. It's, it's, it's true. It's, it's so true. At the beginning, like, wow. And then it's like, hmm. And then it's like, whoa. And the more you get to know someone, the more every muscle will need to be strained to love them. Because we think other people aren't as lovable as we are because we're delusional. But once you realize you're not as lovable as you think you are, but people have chosen to love you in Jesus, then you realize my calling is to love people with every muscle strained wholeheartedly. That's the calling. And he gives another qualifier, which is so helpful, from the heart. Not because you have to. The calling from Jesus is, is from the heart to love people. Now, who's modeled this best? Jesus himself. Jesus did not have to become human. He was already God from above. But he strained with every muscle to leave his place in glory and confine himself to become a child. 
God stretched his muscles to love us by saying, I am going to become part of my creation. And if that weren't enough, Jesus loved people deeply while he is healing people. Other people are saying he's filled with demons. As he's showing grace to people that everyone else overlooks, Jesus finds the biggest outsider that everyone overlooks, and he spends time with them. And the religious leaders are mocking him, saying he doesn't even realize their sin. Godly people wouldn't be with them. But Jesus, with every muscle strained, loves the hypocrite as he loves the person that deserves. They mock Jesus. They misunderstand him, and he loves them. They hate him. They accuse him. They arrest him. They lie about him. They punch him. They beat him. They whip him. They kill him. And he loves them. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Actually, they did know what they were doing. They were murdering him. And he says to the Father, don't hold this against him. This is with every muscle strain. This is from the heart. Now, how can we love this way? Because this sounds like a setup for failure. <laughs> like, Jose, you haven't been to my community group. You know, like, you haven't been to my community group. Because, like, how, how can I love people this way? Verse 23. And this is the beautiful invitation. I want you to think about this week when we ask ourselves the question, am I loving people deeply from the heart? How am I doing at the loving one another? Well, well, here's the why. Here's, here's why you can. Verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. If I was just to tell you, love people better, it's a setup for failure. And it's really hurtful if I just said, hey, why don't we just love people better? Because sometimes that's really hard, especially when people hurt you. It's easier to love a stranger than the person that you know that's been hurtful. And yet the call is to love one another. If they belong to Jesus, I'm not saying they're, they're going to be your best friend. Because sometimes there's a lot of water under that bridge, and they've been really hurtful, and they refuse to change, and they, they're aware of their shortcomings, but don't want to do anything about it. I'm not saying you have to invite them over for dinner every night and, and go to sleep crying because this person who's inconsiderate, Jesus says, love them anyway, and so oh, here we go. Here's Tuesday night. Oh, can't wait for Wednesday. I'm not saying that. But even if people have been hurtful towards us, we could still respond with grace. We could still speak well about them, even if there's not a lot to speak well about. You could find the one thing that is positive in their world and say that instead of telling everyone else the 30 things that they've done. We can love from the heart because we've been born again. So if I'm not saying just put in more effort and work it out and strain because, you know, God's what God demands. No, the reason we can is we're not the same people. You have been born again. Now, that's one of those phrases that needs lots of explanation because when people hear the phrase born again, they usually think, oh, Bible-thumping bigot in today's culture, right? And, but born anew 
is a reality in that my parents gave birth to me. I'm from them, and we share DNA, right? Somehow I'm a mix of the best of my both parents. <laughs> no, actually, no. I, I'm, I'm just connected to my parents. I have been born of mom and dad. And, and because of that, I have some resemblances to them. And here's the good news. And the reason we can live out the command, the imperative, the invitation, the pathway. Pathway just sounds so now. The pathway. Yeah, I love the pathway. Well, a reason I can live this out is because I'm not the same person I used to be. When I receive Jesus Christ, I've taken on a new nature because this new life from Jesus is the imperishable seed. Just like there's a seed, and the metaphor is right in there. There's a seed that leads to human life. There is a seed that leads to our new life in Jesus. And Jesus Christ, somehow, it's mysterious, it's beautiful, I don't totally get it, but he is now living in me, and his thoughts can now become my thoughts. And what he did, I can now do. Like, I can actually live like Jesus because he has created me. And the reason I know this, this imperishable seed, the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God is now living in me. So we, we can't use the excuse, well, God, there's no way I can love them. He's like, yeah, of course, if it were just you. But don't you realize, church, don't you realize, friend, you are not the same human. Now, when you respond in faith to Jesus Christ, you look the same. Right? If you still, if you have a cavity, you still have a cavity. That doesn't go away. Your human DNA doesn't change. But in terms of your relationship to God, it absolutely changes. And now you have the capacity to live Jesus-like because in God's sight, you are made absolutely new. And, 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 and here's the tension. You're not going to fully experience what it means to live the new life until Jesus comes and makes the whole world new. And we'll get into this next week. We're living in a tension because there is the me that follows Jesus that wants to do what's right, but there's also the me that wants to do the same old thing. And I am fighting internally because I've been recreated to live like Jesus, but I'm not in heaven yet. And God hasn't taken away sin from this world yet. And so I'm going to stumble and fall and mess this thing up. But the invitation, and Peter says, look, church, in the middle of the suffering you're about to go through, just like we're going through, in the middle of the hardness that you're walking through, in the middle of the trouble that you're walking through, these are the things that Jesus people do. We set our hope on Jesus, right? We're not living for this world. We're living for God. And in this case, we can love one another. And then he throws in a Bible verse that seems to make no sense, but hopefully in these last few minutes, it'll make sense to you. Look at uh, verse 24. Then he says, quote, after the saying, you've been born anew, and this imperishable seed is now living in you. Isaiah 40 is what he quotes. For all people are like grass, their glory like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now what's going on here? God spoke through the prophet Isaiah to his people who are about to be sent off into decades, decades of being sent away uh, out of their land because of their sin and their rebellion. 
And they're going to be into exile. And they're going to be under the Babylonian kingdom, which is the hugest superpower. Imagine Russia, China combined, you know, superpower of their generation. And, And Babylon was ruthless. And Babylon always won. And God told the prophet and the people, I'm letting them win. They're not bigger than me. But you need to learn that sin has results. So I'm going to send you away. But if you turn back to me, I will bring you back. Now, how does this fit with what's going on? This felt impossible when they heard this. They were already seeing their own kingdom, God's people, crumble. They saw Babylon coming at the door. They realized life's going to get hard. And the word to them was the reminder Just like centuries prior, God gives a word to his people before it happens. God says, I'm sending you away. God says, I'm bringing you back. God says, Babylon's going to win for a moment. God says, Babylon's going to be destroyed. In other words, human kingdoms come and go. Human leaders have this much strength compared to God. And human wisdom has this much wisdom compared to God. So just like God was faithful and God's word came to pass, people, kingdoms, are like grass. They're here and then they're gone. But the word of the Lord endures forever. God's word comes to pass. And to me, what Peter is saying is the reminder to the church, it feels like at times you can't love one another deeply But God says you can. It doesn't seem like it's possible for you to set your hope fully on Jesus and and live with peace and calm in the middle of turmoil. But if God says you can, you can. If God says you will, you will. The question is, do you believe it? God's word is now implanted in you. And this is what it means to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? It's that we're loved by God. And we love him. And we see other people now in a new way. We love God and we love people. And and the markers of what it means for you and I to follow Jesus ought to be that unmistakable. There's two things about you that ought to be unmistakable. When people see you, that they would see not a perfect, but a genuine passion for God. Do people see that when they see you? Not, not holier than you, not like faking it, not like pretending to be someone better than you are. But this person is living for something more than a paycheck, more than a vacation, more than the here and now. This person is living to pursue God. I don't believe in their God. I don't believe there is a God. I don't know if anything that they live for is worth it, but I know they're going for it. That ought to be the mark of us as Jesus' people. And the second is likewise. I don't believe anything that they believe. But man, I want to live my life like them. That our love for one another, our sacrificial love for the good of each other, we're the kind of people that make no sense. We get in a community group, we're in a home, we look at each other like, this is just like a book club gone weird. Like this is, this, this does, you guys don't, you don't make sense at all. Why would, you know, single and married and young and old and kids and no kids and, and rich and poor and, and, and 
big house and small flat. Like you all treat each other as, as equals in the sight of God. You pray for one another. You sacrifice for one another. Uh, this, my friends, is a timely word. Wouldn't you agree? Let's, um, let's land the plane, and we want to respond in worship. When I hear these words, I, I just wish we would have spent a little more time looking at them uh, two years ago as the pandemic began. Because I have to say that the most frustrating and disappointing um, part of the last two years has not been uh, the masks. It's, it's been our response to one another around them. It's, it's not been quarantine or not. It's been, man, if you think that and you think that and you think that, I can't be with you. It's not the reality of racial injustice and racism. It's the plethora of opinions that seems to me everyone that I speak to they are completely right. Like completely right. And anyone who doesn't completely agree with their complete rightness is completely off. It's, been, it's, not, it's not been the issues we've been walking through. It's the way we've been walking through them. And I'm not talking about our, our, our culture at large. If you don't follow Jesus, I don't expect you to have any godliness in your life. If you don't follow Jesus, I don't expect you to live by the Bible. As a matter of fact, you'd be a fool to live by the Bible if you don't follow Jesus. You'd be a total fool. Why waste your time? But if you do follow Jesus, and we can't love one another with every muscle strained, then it shows we have a long way to go. By the way, it's why God, by the Spirit, gives Peter these words to the church, because because he could see a fracturing in their own gathering together. And I think we have a lot to learn. So it's possible to let your opinion about politics or how to walk through a pandemic or any other hot topic to keep you from loving other Jesus people. It's possible that it, the issue could become the issue in your soul that's more important than how's my brother actually doing and how can I be a blessing in their life rather than I, when will they wake up to my rightness? And if that steps on your toes, I wasn't hard enough. I wanted to crush your feet. Okay? But the reality of it is we need to wake up to the call to love one another deeply. Every muscle strained sounds like a lot of effort, yeah, that I'm, I'm looking at your differences. And, and, and let me qualify. Your opinions are valuable, and your opinions really do matter, and your opinions have weight. They really do. But when it comes to following Jesus, if they are primary than loving your neighbor as yourself, then you're living like a fool, and that's not God's heart for you. And so it's a wake-up call to the church. I have watched more communities live in tension, and I've watched it happen here. And God's word to us and his beautiful timing of shifting us out of our comfort zone, now it's an effort to come to church, and now all the things are different, is a good seedbed for God to get a hold of our hearts so when we return back to our normal space, 
We don't live in the normal way. But God, in his mercy, transforms our heart in this season, kind of like when Israel went out into exile. God used that new experience to teach them new things. I pray that the next couple of months are a healthy learning curve of encouragement and sometimes challenge of rebuke and praise. We need it all so that we return to the mission of Jesus when we return to that space and not live in the selfish old way. Okay, that was way uh, more intense than I planned, and I'm so grateful for it. I just plan things out and say, Holy Spirit, help me to deliver it in a way that honors you, and I, I think he may have. At least that's my opinion. <laughs> Question as we respond in worship. Will we actively strain with all of our energy to genuinely love other people who follow Jesus from the heart? This is the, the questions in your community group discussion guide are leaning that way. And I want our response to lean this way. And so we're going to sing a few songs that guide us. And then we're going to come to the table in between these songs. Because what we need is God's empowering presence to actually live them out. And when we remember Jesus and eat the bread and drink the cup, we are remembering we are empowered by God. To live like Jesus. And so we're going to take and we're going to eat and we're going to ask God by the Spirit to create this kind of life in us. Lord, we thank you that you've brought us to this beautiful physical space. You're merciful, you're kind, you're loving, you're good. Lord, thank you for ordaining, setting out a, a time and space to restructure walls in a building because the metaphor speaks to the rebuilding of our life. So, Lord, as we're trying to increase the capacity in where we meet to welcome more people in your name, we're asking you, God, more importantly, increase the capacity in our lives, in our souls, in our minds, to live for you, whole heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love our neighbor, whoever that is, but especially those who belong to Jesus. Lord God, that you would do this in us would be a loving act. We're asking, we're inviting, we're pleading with you, God, to, to move in our hearts because sometimes our hearts get stubborn and we don't like it, but it happens. So God, remove that so that we will live more like you and that all of Hillsborough and beyond would want to follow this God who changes people so deeply and loves people so intensely. God, we want the world to know your love, but we realize how can the world know that, that you love them when we're fighting? Especially over things that really don't matter. So God, uh, deal with us at the deepest level, and out of love, we sing songs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna invite